Awesome. So, um, hey guys, it is, uh, it's summertime and uh, you might not know that, but I bet you do because it's hot and so you probably got the hint whenever you stepped outside this morning. It's summertime, and summertime for so many people, um, it, it involves a lot of things. Like, first of all, the kids are out of school, which you're probably still excited about, but it probably won't last that much longer. About a week or two more, you'll be like, when are they going back? But the kids are out of school, and uh, it's time to, you know, you've been out in the pool maybe, or getting in the water because, again, it's so hot and doing all that. But the best part of summer, I think, is the opportunity for so many of us to go on a vacation, to get out, right, to go travel or do something. How many, how many of you are going to get to do something this summer? Are you going to get to go somewhere? Like a lot of y'all, right? If not, that's okay. It's okay. You'll get your chance, I promise. Uh, summer is a time where we all take road trips, a lot of us, so we go and do things. And so this summer, we decided we would kick off this new series called Road Trip. And we're talking about Paul's road trip. Paul was the, the guy that wrote a huge chunk of the New Testament, right? And um, we're going we're gonna to talk about the Apostle Paul's trips because he takes these three missionary journeys where he goes around from town to town and he spends time in these different churches, seeing different people in these different towns, seeing different people. And um, these, these trips that he went on, they weren't short, like they took years. He was on these trips for like two years and more. I mean, you can imagine spending a two-year road trip with your family, and that's why Paul never got married, because it made the trips more bearable. Um, but, um, yeah. but Paul would travel between these towns. He would stay for months in a region, um, and while he was in those, in those towns, he would spend time just teaching people about Jesus because he had had this interaction with Jesus. So he would teach them about it, and he would raise up disciples and leaders and plant a church. And then one day, Paul would leave, and he would have left this church, and, and then he would go to a new place, and he would plant a new church. He would do the same thing over and over and over. But at the end, uh, so you know, when, when, when you have people that you know and they leave, what is, what is the one of the things that you say? As people are on the way out the door, you're like, as you go, you say, but don't forget to write, right? And Paul did not forget to write. In fact, because of Paul's writing, that's where we get about 30% of the New Testament. 30% of the New Testament is letters that he wrote to churches and people that he had previously uh, uh, discipled and pastored. And so we get these letters that he wrote. And that's what this summer we're going to be digging into a lot of the teachings of Paul, because he teaches so much about what it means to be a church. So we should be taking from his example and looking at that but Paul had to keep moving to plant these churches. In fact, if Paul had stayed in one place his whole ministry, if he'd have just stayed in, Cor in Corinth the whole time, he'd have planted one church and his impact would have been minimized, right? In fact, we would have him like being there forever. In fact, we probably wouldn't even have a letter back there because he would be there. So why would he write him a letter? He would just talk to him. So Paul actually, in order to have the impact he had, he had to move from place to place throughout his ministry. And that's one of the things that we have found in our ministry, God making us do as well. God has continually moved us from place to place to place. Uh, we haven't been able to stay in one place for a large period of time. But the blessing of that is we've been able to look back and see how God's used us here and God's used us here and God's used us here and God's used us here. So we've only been here for three years, but we know the impact of what we've left and we see the impact in the room of what we've left. I look out and I see so many of you and I just think about 
the times that we have had together and the times that you have, have, have poured into us and we've gotten to hang out, the times that I've, I've gotten to see some of you grow up into, into new roles of leadership, into to new uses of your giftings. And so that happens when you spend time with people. But if you constantly stay in one place, you aren't going to necessarily be able to make an impact in different places. That doesn't mean everybody has to move all the time. But for some of us, that's kind of our plight. But in order for Paul to have made the effort, made the impact he did, Paul had to hit the road. And so that's why today I'm titling the first series, the first title in our uh, series, Hitting the Road. Because Paul hit the road, right? He had to get out. In order to go make an impact, he had to get out. And so... Um, I've chosen a story from the Bible where Paul is leaving a, a group. He's leaving a church. He's been with these people for a period of time, and he's been pouring into them. He's been with them for years, actually. He's been pouring into them, and he's now raised up this church, and he's leaving. And so before he leaves, he gives this message to the people. And so I was reading through it, and I thought, man, this is absolutely perfect for today. And so that's what we're going to share um, before we jump into the, to it, I want to be absolutely clear. So in case any of you are wondering, I know I'm not Paul. I'm not unaware of that. Okay. Paul is like a great, great champion of the faith. And, uh, he has accomplished much more than any of us ever will. Um, but, uh, for this brief moment in time, allow me to look at this story and see the parallel a little bit between where I'm at and where he was at. Um, but, uh, please don't think that when I leave that I think I'm Paul. Um, <laughs> So we're going to be in Acts 20, Acts 20, 17 through 21. We'll start off there. And uh, Paul has been in Ephesus. He has this church there. He has these people there. And so he shares this message with them as he leaves. And so Acts 20, verse 17, it says this. It says, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. He called the elders together. And when they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. So Paul is getting ready to leave. And Paul says, he gathers all the leaders up and he spends a little bit of time remembering what he's done there, remembering the good things, remembering the challenges, remembering all of it. And as I was trying to think this week, I thought, you know, I mean, Paul talks about how he went from place to place and he did everything he could to reach all these different groups of people. And I tried to think back on some of my time here and, and I feel like I have tried to do a lot of things which I always try to do, just to connect with people. And uh, so I've done things like I've worn interesting outfits. Um, and so I, I wore this. Many of you weren't even here for that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I wore the bunny. Um, I was right here whenever I wore my tuxedo on Sunday morning. Yeah, because sometimes you just got to have fun, right? Like church isn't about being stuffy. Church is about having fun because we all people just trying to go through life and connect with each other. And so we need to quit being so stuffy about it. So we try to have fun. We try to make this a fun place. Um, you know, I, I've tried to have 
interesting illustrations. I've tried to have giveaways during messages. Some of you probably have some stuff at your house that I gave you during a message um, that you're holding on to, or maybe it's just in a junk drawer somewhere. But one day, maybe you'll open up that junk drawer and you'll pull out a little Lego block or a little piece of rope or whatever little thing that you might have picked up. Um, in fact, this week, um, I, I got a message from somebody. So the first Sunday that I preached as the, as the pastor, whenever I took over as interim pastor back in 2020, the first Sunday I preached, um, it, was, it was a little rough, but, um, but I had a plant and I gave away little plants to everybody in, in, that was there on that Sunday. And so uh, we talked about how uh, the church had to be healthy, it had to reproduce, it had to have roots, but it, but it couldn't get too situated and it had to reproduce and, and grow on, so, right? So we gave plants out. And this week, actually, I got a message from somebody on Facebook, the pictures like, hey, look, here's the plant that you gave me. And it's like, actually, we have like three other plants that have been birthed off the plant that you gave us. And so just it's been cool to see um, that some of those things stick around. Now, I'm sure some of you, your plants long dead, but <clears throat> that's all right. I got plenty at the house if you need more. But uh, there was a Sunday I preached about scabs. Um, and we'll just keep moving. Um, yeah, that one was special. The, uh, the thing that has stretched me and growed, grown me the most at, at Anchor Chapel, though, has been um, God's call to use me as part of his plan to make Anchor Chapel this multicultural, multi-ethnic body which has been something that was an incredible challenge uh, because it's something that I didn't know much about or understand much about. Um, and God grew me through the point through with Roland and I had some great conversations and he was patient with me and, and, and tried to teach me how to, you know, open my mind up and think a little differently. And, and, uh, God used that to help create this beautiful place. I mean, when you look around in here and you see people from all different backgrounds, and uh, it's the way that we should be on Sunday morning, not just on Sunday, honestly, it's the way we should be all week. And uh, it's been cool not just to hang out with some of you here on Sunday morning, but all throughout the week, I've had opportunities to hang out with some of you that traditionally we've been told that we aren't supposed to hang out together, like we're supposed to be separate. So, but, uh, but here's the deal. We can't, we can't reminisce all morning and Paul couldn't reminisce all, all day with them because there's things to do and, and places to go and lunch to eat. So, um, so Paul continues on in Acts 20, he continues on. He says, and now compelled by the spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. So that's where we find ourselves right here. We find ourselves now compelled by the spirit to move on to a new place, not quite knowing what will happen there. And uh, I will say to you, honestly, um, more than ever in my life, I have no idea what will happen to us there. Um, I have never moved um, and have been so uncertain. Uh, God has, traditionally we move, and it's not that I know what I'm going to do on the other side, but I just feel like it's all good. God's got it, and it's, it's good. Like, I got a feeling about it, and I don't feel like I'm walking away from something. But this is the time where God is like, it's like the illustration I used with the plant back in the beginning was that if you leave a plant in one place too long, the roots dig in so deep, it's hard to move it. And I'm and, and like, I'm right at that point. Like, like I'm right at that point. Like, if, 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 I, if I were to be here another six months, God might not be able to rip the roots out of the ground. Like, the plant would just be stuck right here. So it, it, it's like, 
is a little bit of tension as God's pulling me away. But I know that on the other side, that God has a plan for us, that he's got something there because he's always been faithful in the past to do that. Do you remember, you remember the time that I stepped off the stage into the arms of uh, Ollie and Barber? Yeah, I was right here. Yeah, right here. And so I stepped out up on the stage and they held me. And the whole purpose of that illustration was talking about trusting God and taking a step past what you could see, right? We were talked about, we, we had to take it to the limit. That was the whole thing. We had to take it to the limit of what we could do and then go one step further. And, uh, and, and you know, I, I feel like I'm stepping off, but I don't, I feel like I'm stepping off onto like the twins arms or something right now. Like, like, like if I was stepping off onto their arms, I feel pretty steady. But like if they were standing there trying to hold me, like that's kind of what we feel like right now. But uh, so why did Paul decide to move on? If Paul says he's compelled by the Spirit to move on and he doesn't know what is on the other side of it, why does he do it? I think he does it because he clings to the promises of God. See, Psalms 34.3 says, For you are my rock and my fortress. For the sake of your name, I, you will lead me and guide me. Paul knew that his foundation didn't come from himself. His foundation came from God. And his fortress was God. That's where his strength was. It didn't come from what he could do or what he could accomplish. See, when you are following where God is leading you, you know you're going to be protected when you get there. You know you're going to be protected when you get there because he's your fortress and he's waiting for you to protect you when you get there. In fact, God will never call you somewhere that he has never prepared a purpose for you. If God called for you to get there, he didn't call for you to get there so that you could get there and be like, oh, I have no purpose in my life. Like, why did he bring you? He brought you there because there's something in that place he wants you to accomplish. And some of you may be sitting here today going, I don't have a clue what I'm here for. Whether that's here at church, whether that's here in Baton Rouge, whether that's in a job, whether that's in a relationship, you may be going, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know. But God's got you there for a reason. And so you can either sit around and go, man, I have no purpose, or you could spend time seeking God and saying, God, what is the purpose? Show me what it is you want me to accomplish here. Don't waste your time sitting there. Look for the purpose in it. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for him. If you are called according to his purpose, if he called you there, he is going to use it to work together, not just for his good, but for your good. He brought you there to accomplish something. And when you accomplish your purpose, your purpose, it's good for you. Like when you feel like, you know what, I was made for this. When you do something that you're like, I was made for this, this is just right. It, 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 it does something in your soul, right? You feel like, man, this is the reason I was created, and that's good for you. So if God causes it to work together and you feel like you've accomplished the purpose you were created for, then you are going to feel like you're going to feel God using you to do something. So obviously it's no coincidence I'm sharing this message um, today because we find ourselves trusting God for this next season, right? And while it's fun to remember the past, I, I, uh, I don't want to miss the opportunity while I'm with you for this last time to share a challenge with you. So we can, we can put away the past for a minute because I want to talk about the future. Because I think the future is more important than the past. The past is what got us here. So, um, 
You know, it's weird that sometimes you have a lot of things to say to people and you don't say them like you have those relationships in your life and there's things that are left unsaid and things that you, you know, you, you wish you could say and you wish you could communicate to people, but you don't. And then it's right at the end that you have these last chances with them that you're like, ah, now's the chance I'm going to say it. Like I could have said it to you two years ago and then we could have enjoyed all that time of knowing it, but I waited till now to share it with you. That's what happens so much with friends. Um, and, uh, uh, the past couple of weeks have been a time where we have shared so many fond memories. Um, we, had, we had an event a couple of weeks ago, um, or I guess it was just one week ago, um, at our house. We had a lot of things, so it, my, my mind's a blur. But uh, we've had several events where people have just come and hung out, and we've got to just hear um, things that have happened. And it's been great to hear those memories and, uh, and to, to, to see what God has used us for. But... Uh, but Paul continues on and he gives a challenge here, right? And that's what I want us to focus on is the challenge. And so I'm going to skip down a few verses. In Acts 20, verse 28, this is Paul giving instructions to the elders, to the church as he's leaving. And this is the instructions he leaves. He says, number one, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So Paul gives this challenge to the leaders. And I want to dive into it a little bit. Some of you might be looking at this and going, okay, cool. Paul gives this challenge, but he gives it to the overseers and the shepherds of the church, which he does. It's the leaders he's talking to. And you may say, you know what? I'm not a leader in the church, so I don't have to listen to any of this. I don't think that's true because I think that you're a leader somewhere and I think God's using you somewhere. And so this challenge is for you somewhere. If it's not for here at Anchor, it's for your family. It's for your work. It's for wherever he's got you that you're supposed to be a shepherd in that moment. And so it's also uh, because um, some of you aspire to be leaders. And if you aspire to grow into a leadership, you need to grow into how to be a leader. And so you study what it means to be a leader. So let's see what Paul says in here, because he gives us a couple of challenges. So the first one is this, keep watch over yourselves. Keep watch over yourselves. Leaders are often uh, forget taking care of themselves. You see leaders that are so busy taking care of their family, their work, their, their, the friends around them, all the details, and they don't take care of themselves. They're unhealthy. They don't get rest. They don't, they, they don't spend time in prayer. They don't, they don't take care of growing their own relationship with God, and then they're trying to lead others. And you see that in, in churches for sure because you see people that seem to rise up to a certain point and then they fall down. Because as they were trying to care for others, they forgot to keep watch over themselves and keep watch over their own relationships. A leader who never stops to recharge and to reconnect with the Father eventually loses the ability to care and lead others. So Paul says, you have to keep watch over yourselves. And then he says, and all the flock to which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So you have to keep watch over yourselves. And the second thing is you have to keep watch over your flock. Who has God given you responsibility over? Who has he given you the responsibility to care for? If you're a parent, it's your children. If you're, if you're married, it's your spouse. If you're a leader in work, then you have employees you're supposed to be caring for. Even you say, but I work in McDonald's. That's okay. I work in the plant. That's okay. You're still there to care for them. God's put you there to care for them. Like it is not a church. It's all right. You're there to care for them. 
If you're a teacher, it's your students. If you have an anchor group, it's the people in your group. Especially, though, especially if you are an elder or a trustee or a pastor, you have to be the shepherds of the church and care for the church, which was purchased with the blood of Jesus. So we have to care for ourselves. We have to keep watch over ourselves protect ourselves, but we also have to keep watch and protect over others in order to do the job we were called to do. So what is it that we're keeping watch over? What is it we're keeping watch for? Paul tells us, he keeps going, he says, and I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. So you have to keep watch over them because you are keeping watch for the wolves. Keep watch for the wolves. A shepherd is always watching for wolves. So a true shepherd, right? They go out in the field with the sheep and the sheep are there and they're looking out and they're watching because wolves will make their way into the pack and they'll start eating the sheep. And that's not a good thing because you need the sheep. That's your livelihood. Your job is to protect the sheep. The shepherd has to always be watching for wolves that are coming to attack. If you are living the life God called you to live, if you are living the life God called you to live, the enemy is going to send wolves to attack you, okay? It's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fact. If you are living the way God called you to live, there are going to be wolves that come and attack you. So if anger is accomplishing the purpose God called it to accomplish, there will be wolves that will come in. It's not if, it's when. They're going to come. If you believe you're doing something worthwhile, you better be on the lookout for the wolves. In fact, I'll say it the other way. If you're looking around in your life and you see no wolves, no challenges, no battles, no fights, there's probably nothing you're doing that's a threat. So why in the world, why in the world is anybody going to send a wolf to attack you? Because they're like, you ain't doing nothing. Like, why, why don't I need to send a wolf to you? I'll go attack that dude. He's accomplishing something for God. If you don't see wolves, you should start wondering what it is you need to do because you need to make an impact. Have you noticed that every day, every day the world seems to tolerate less and less what the church is doing? When you look around, the church, the, the church is not loved by the world, Right? It tolerates Christians less and less. It tolerates the church less and less. When I grew up, society looked at the church as a benefit. When I was, when I was younger, they looked at churches in the community, and they were like, this church is awesome because they do things for us, and they, they provide a positive place, and, and they have good leaders. And, they, and now, now, that's not what people think of the church. The world has changed the, the church is no longer considered a value. In fact, I remember one time I was on a mission trip um, and we were in a community in Colorado and we were, we were, there was a church that was about to be planted. And so before the church was planted, we were gonna go door to door and do surveys to find out what does this community need that we can help provide for this community. So we were going and doing the surveys and, and if they were there in person, we would just ask them. And so we asked this, this lady, and she was an older lady, which in my mind, growing up, older ladies love Jesus. I mean, older grandmas, like grandma loved Jesus, right? And so I'm like asking this older lady, I'm like, so what is it that this community needs that this church could provide? And she said, well, the one thing this community does not need is a church. She's like, there's nothing you can do or provide to this community, so you just shouldn't come here. And I'm like, grandma, like... 
Like this, that's just not what grandma's supposed to say, you know? Like, all grandmas love Jesus. But many places look at churches as problems, as problems. They look at Christians as problems. Why do they do that? Paul tells us, Paul tells us, he goes on, he says, even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Oftentimes, the wolves come from within the walls. The wolves are here. Here. The wolves are already in the room. Now, I'm not saying you're all wolves. That's not what I'm saying. Right? Don't, don't attack me if you are, please. This isn't, you, you've heard the, you, you've seen the, the, the cartoons of like a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? Like, this is where the picture comes from. It wasn't something that they came up with in Looney Tunes, right? Like, the, the idea of wolves in sheep's clothing, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a scriptural idea of wolves in sheep's clothing, okay? So, the world struggles sometimes to see the value of the church because they keep seeing people within the church that say, I'm on a mission from God and I got something to do and I'm going to do this great thing. And they rally people around them and they collect funds and they do some good things for a while. And then eventually they take off the costume and there's a wolf underneath. And you've seen it. You've seen churches that have risen up with leaders that in the end, it turns out that they're having affairs and they're stealing money and they're abusing people. They're arrogant, they're hurtful, they're prideful. Because the truth is we all actually have a wolf within us. That wolf is your flesh, right? And so when I say the wolves are coming from within, it's not just from within the walls, it's within you. You have within you that sinful flesh that you were born with and you have the potential to become a wolf at any moment. You know it, you, you've been in that moment. You've been in that moment when something happens and you feel the rage rising within you. That's that wolf just trying to rip off the sheet and be like, I'm mad, right? There are always wolves. And that's why the next thing I want to tell you is this. You got to keep yourself from becoming the wolf. Keep yourself from becoming the wolf. When things change, when something doesn't go the way that you want, when you're frustrated, you just have a bad day, you find yourself becoming a wolf. And the time that you really become the wolf is when you're in the midst of the people you're supposed to be protecting the most, right? It's the ones where you're supposed to be caring for them the most. And then at that moment, you're like, I've been this perfect sheep for all these people I don't really know or care for that much, but now I can relax with you and I can just become a monster, right? And you, you start to let the, the sheep off and you become a wolf in the midst of your family or in the midst of your workplace or the midst of, of your closest friends. The truth is, each of us are shepherds. Each of us are shepherds. We've all been given things to look over. At the beginning, I said, look, you have to keep watch over yourself first. And then you have to watch over the wolf within you. You have to keep the wolf from taking control. But I want to bring this back to the church for a minute. Because at the end of the day, Paul is leaving the church at Ephesus and he's speaking to the leaders in that church. And so what I want to say is this. I, I want to, for a moment, 
this, I want to, for a moment, I want to speak directly to the shepherds of Anchor Chapel. So, that includes pastors and elders and trustees and anchor group leaders and kids leaders and connections leaders and people who are part of the A-team. Everyone who is here who has got a responsibility for caring for what God is doing in this church. And I want to tell you this, keep watch over what God has entrusted to you. Take it seriously. Because I can tell you the enemy takes seriously his attack. And so if you take it as a joke, you think it's something you don't really have to worry about, you're gonna miss the wolf because they're gonna slip through. And I'll tell you this, when there is any change of leadership, there's always a gap, right? There's always a gap. In fact, whenever they have a, 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 a soldiers and they, they change out at the line and somebody would slip out and somebody new slips in to take the post, there's a moment there where there is a, a weakness in the defense and the enemy can see that weakness and all of a sudden things slip through, right? And so when there is ever a change in leadership, there's always a moment where people have the opportunity to grab at things, right? They grab at, at this is different, this is changed, this is how this person would do it. I, I have the opportunity now where I maybe can, can take over this because this person has left and so I can take it over and I can be a part of it. Watch, watch for the wolves in the midst of that. Because some people are gonna have the purest of heart in that. And some people, it might be that they're letting their own ambitions rise up. So look for the wolves. As individuals, guard your own heart. Make sure you don't allow yourself to be used. Look at your brothers and sisters here. And if you see one of them under attack, let them know. Go up, say, hey amen. I see you're going through something. I just want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. I just, I don't want you to let the enemy use you in the midst of this because we got something going on right here in this place and we want to care for each other and we don't want to let the enemy in. We don't want to let him attack us and, and cause us damage in what the midst of we're doing. I mentioned earlier that the world has issues trusting the church because they have seen a lot of shepherds fall. They've seen a lot of church leaders fall. And so and we got documentaries on national TV, right? About church leaders falling because they're all men and women who are just created and they're not perfect. And so they have the tendency to fall. So I want to give you one final word. This is going to be the hard one. So uh, the final word is about that man over there. He's going to shake his head and pretend I'm not talking, but that's all right. So I consider my role that I played in the midst of a number of you in finding Pastor Pitts. I consider that to be one of the greatest things I got to be a part of here. And, uh, and that's because I know that I'm, I, I was a part of putting in place the shepherd God had to lead this church into the future. And so I know that when I leave, first of all, that there's a shepherd in place that's going to continue to protect this flock, to guard this flock, to teach this flock, to lead you, to challenge you, to grow you. 
I know that that has happened because I know the shepherd that he's put in this place. But I need to tell you something. First of all, your shepherd, while other shepherds are falling, your shepherd is a man after God's own heart. He's not prideful. He's not arrogant. He's not seeking a big payday. He loves this church and he's doing everything he can, everything he can to lead this church and to grow it into what God wants it to be and to reach people with the hope for their soul. So you've got a good shepherd, but he is a man. He is not perfect. So even as the sheep under his care, I need you to ask, I need to ask you to do something. I need to ask you to keep watch over the shepherd. I need you to protect him from the wolves. The wolves in the community, the wolves in his own life. He's got, he's got demons too. He ain't perfect. He's not perfect, trust me. Protecting the shepherd is the role of the elders of this church. It's the role of the, the trustees of the church. It's the role of the overseers of the church, which I'm honored to become a part of. But it's also the role of the sheep. You say, how in the world are the sheep supposed to protect the wolves? How in the world are the sheep supposed to protect the shepherds? That doesn't make any sense. But here's the thing. Every shepherd at some point has to rest. So sometimes when shepherds rest, they ask another shepherd to watch the flock. But you know, sometimes a, sh a shepherd could be out late at night and they could be in the midst of stuff and they're just worn down and all of a sudden they start to drift off and a wolf starts to make its way in the pack. And you know what? The sheep start to raise their voices up and they're like, hey, something's going on. And the shepherd wakes up and sees what's happening so he can come to their defense. He might miss something. There might be something that makes its way in. And he, we, we are a church that is about transparency. <laughs> and because of that, ain't none of us above somebody stepping up and saying, hey, something's going on here. This ain't right. Something's not right here. And so if you see a wolf making its way in, tell him, warn him, raise your voice. He wants to hear from you, but you have to watch over him. You have to raise your voice when you see something happening. So, will you watch out for him? Will you pray for him to be strong so the enemy can't use him as a wolf? Will you grow in your faith so that maybe you can be a shepherd alongside of him? Because some of you, some of you weren't made just to be sheep. Some of you were made to raise up and take on a new role of leadership. As, as we wrap up, I want to look how Paul finished his message here to the leaders at Ephesus. He says in verse 36, he says, when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and he prayed. And they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Because Paul told them, he said, I'm leaving. You're never going to see me again. That's what Paul told them. 
After they had torn themselves away from, after we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and we sailed straight to Kos. So this scripture here, it has something in common with how I want to end the day. A couple of things, um, though, are different. The first one is this. In a moment, we're going to pray together. Just like Paul did, we're going to pray together. But second, after the service, we can, we can embrace, and some of you might weep, but there will be no kissing. Just saying that. Ain't that kind of place. Third, Paul told, Paul told the people at, at Ephesus that he was never coming back. And uh, that's not the truth here. Okay? Unless God does some magical, amazing thing that keeps me from coming back here, ain't nothing going to stop me from coming back. In fact, I'm already booked to come back later in the fall. So you're going to see me again. I'm sorry. Um, I'll be back. And so that does not apply to us. Um, and finally, um, I will say, after we tear ourselves away from you at the end, we will set sail directly to Dallas. we'll be tearing ourselves away but um we are in fact pastor pitts originally he wanted to have a party today after the service and i was like dude like i gotta like jennifer's gotta be at work tomorrow and we gotta get there and it's like seven hours and we have a party we won't tear ourselves away until five six o'clock tonight yeah i know he's just trying to trap me here but we will we will we will be sailing away but uh, for now, um, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to I want to ask you to do something a little bit different. Um, normally, at the end of the service, we ask everybody if they will stand where they are, and if we we talk over you and we we pray over you. But I want us to do something a little bit different. If if you're all right with it, and if not, that's all right. Um, you don't have to participate in this if you feel awkward about it. But um, Paul said that at the end, they all knelt down and prayed. So, uh, um, why did they do that? They did that because they were bowing in reverence of what God was doing in that moment. And when we bow, when we, <laughs> good catch, when we kneel down, we're kneeling down before God and, and submitting ourselves to Him, submitting ourselves to Him for what comes next. And, uh, and that's what I would like to invite you to do. If you don't mind, if wherever you are, if you feel comfortable, if you just slip out of your seat, we're just going to kneel down wherever you are. If you don't, if you can't physically, that's cool. Just bow your head where you're at. But uh, I just, I want us to have a moment just to pray over what God has coming. So uh, if you will, if you just bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, this morning, we come to you. We thank you. We thank you for so many good things that we've gotten to see you do in this place. Lord, I thank you for Anchor Chapel. I thank you for how it's been a safe place for me. It's been a safe place for my family. I thank you for how we've gotten to see uh, you grow our children. Lord, I, I thank you for all the people that we've gotten to see grow into new roles of leadership here. Thank you for all the friends. I thank you for the future of what you're going to do here, God. Lord, I thank you that as we step into a new calling, 
that we know that you are there, ready to protect us, ready to provide a purpose. And God, I pray for Anchor Chapel that as this church moves forward, God, we know that you continue to have a, a purpose here. It is just getting started. So Lord, I pray that for everyone in this place, that they would keep watch over themselves, that they would strengthen their relationship with you, that they would spend time in prayer with you, that they would learn the voice of their shepherd. God, that they would keep watch over those in their midst, those that they're supposed to protect, those that are their friends, those that are their family, those that serve under them, that they would keep watch over them. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would protect this place from the enemy's wolves. That there would be no foothold in this place. I pray for the people here that you would help them to guard their own hearts, that they wouldn't become a wolf in any instance. That they wouldn't allow themselves to be used by the enemy. And Heavenly Father God, I pray over the leadership of this church. Lord, I pray that you would protect them, that you would protect them, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them vision, that you would provide every resource that they need for the vision and the mission that you have given them. Heavenly Father God, I just pray uh, over their shepherd. I trust him to you. Lord, you have brought the perfect person here, not because he's perfect, but because he is listening to your will and you are using him to do amazing things. So God, I just pray that you would give him protection in his health, in his family, in his marriage. I pray that you would surround him with men and women that would protect him and encourage him and lift him up. And God, I pray that you would continue to send new leaders to stand shoulder to shoulder with him, to fight side by side with him so that you can accomplish your vision for this place of bringing hope to every soul. God, we love you. We thank you. We trust you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. If you'd like to learn more about Anchor Chapel or support our ministries, you can visit anchorchapel.com or follow us on social media at Anchor Chapel. Have a great week.